Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Megan, and here at Round the Cauldron, we talk theology, philosophy, and everyday life as a modern Wiccan. This show is produced every other week to bring knowledge of Wicca to anyone who seeks it. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Round the Cauldron, and on Twitter at Round the Cauldron without the D, because apparently that was too long for Twitter. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron, where you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month and gain access to patron-exclusive content. Links and show notes for this episode can be found at my website, roundthecauldron.com. Today, I wanted to talk about the Wiccan Read. If you've done any studying at all, I would hope you've come across this piece of writing. If you haven't, well, you're going to find out what it's about today. Put simply, the Wiccan Read is eight words long, and it's a guideline that most Wiccans live by. Most Wiccans also have their own interpretations of the reed, depending on their tradition or path. The reed states, and it harm none, do what ye will. There are other variations that use different wording, like, and it harm none, do what thou will, but the sentiment is still the same. So let's talk about the history of the Wiccan reed for a minute. It can be a bit convoluted, but try to stay with me here. The Wiccan read as a couplet, the eight words from before, was first publicly recorded in a speech by Doreen Valiente in 1964. After that, it became a central part of almost all Wiccan traditions. A lot of people suspect that this version of the read is inspired by Aleister Crowley and his book from 1904 titled The Book of the Law. His version isn't a couplet and is more of a a call and response type of phrase. It goes like this. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Love is the law, love under will. According to another person, B.A. Robinson, of the um, Ontario Ontario Consultants on Religious Tolerance, Crowley even adopted his writing from someone else. Robinson claims that Crowley's writing is inspired by someone named Francois Ravelet. I don't know if I'm saying that right at all, um, who wrote this line in 1534. Do as thou wilt, because men that are free of gentle birth well-bred and at home, in civilized company, possess a natural instinct that inclines them to virtue and saves them from vice. This instinct they name their honor. 
There's even another person, Don Fru, a national interfaith representative for the Covenant of the Goddess, who says that the reed was not inspired by Crowley at all. Instead, he claims that Valiente wrote it following Gardner's statement that witches are inclined to the morality of the legendary Good King Pasul, do what you like so long as you harm none. At this point, no one really knows exactly where the reed came from. We can only speculate. There's also a piece of writing by Lady Gwen Thompson called The Reed of the Wicca that a lot of people think is the whole reed, but that's not true. So let's go through the writing by Lady Gwen Thompson real quick, because even though its origins are speculative at best, I still think the writing serves us well to know. The Reed of the Wicca, being known as the Council of the Wise Ones. Bide the Wiccan laws you must, in perfect love and perfect trust. Live and let live, fairly take and fairly give. Cast the circle thrice about to keep all evil spirits out. To bind the spell every time, let the spell be spake in rhyme. Soft of eye and light of touch, speak little, listen much. Docile go by the waxing moon, sing and dance the Wiccan rune. Widdershins go when the moon doth wane, and the werewolf howls by the dread of wolf's bane. When the lady's moon is new, kiss thy hand to her times two. When the moon rides at her peak, then your heart's desire seek. Heed the north wind's mighty gale, lock the door and drop the sail. When the wind comes from the south, love will kiss thee on the mouth. When the wind blows from the east, expect the new and set the feast. When the west wind blows o'er thee, departed spirits restless be. Nine woods in the cauldron go, burn them quick and burn them slow. Elder be ye lady's tree, burn it not or curse you'll be. When the will begins to turn, let the belting fires burn. When the wheel has turned to Yule, light the log and let pan rule. Heed ye flower, bush, and tree, by the lady, blessed be. Where the rippling waters go, cast a stone, and truth you'll know. When ye have need, hearken not to others' greed. With the fool no season spend, or be counted as his friend. Merry meet and merry part, bright the cheeks and warm the heart. Mind the threefold law ye showed, three times bad and three times good. When misfortune is a man, wear the blue star on thy brow. True in love ever be, unless thy love is false to thee. Eight words ye wicked read fulfill, and it harm none, do what ye will. Now that you've heard it, I want to go. I want to go back through and talk about several points of the writing that I think are important to know and that connect back to Wicca and most practices. And we're we're essentially we're going to take this line by line. 
Um, some parts of it are self-explanatory, some require a little bit more explanation. So the first line, bide the Wiccan laws ye must in perfect love and perfect trust. The first thing that I want to say about this is the Wiccan laws. We don't really have laws. I'm not really sure what, um, what she means by this, what she meant by this when she wrote it. Um, she could be talking about um, the laws that Gerald Gardner put forth. She could be talking about the laws that were written by, um, oh goodness, the Council of Witches. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I don't completely remember. I do know that I have something like that on my website. So if you go to roundthecauldron.com, you can see that. Um, but the phrase here, perfect love and perfect trust, it actually comes from one, one of the um, initiation rituals in the Gardnerian tradition. If I'm not mistaken, it goes something along these lines. Um, the initiator, before allowing the initiate into the circle, will ask them, how they enter. And the initiate replies with, in perfect love and perfect trust. The second line, live and let live, fairly take and fairly give. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory. Basically, don't be an asshole. <laughs> um, live your life the way, the way you want to live it and let others do the same. Live your life without judgment. You know, don't judge other people for the paths that they take, even if they're different from yours. The next line, cast the circle thrice about to keep all evil spirits out. A lot of people think that this means that when you cast a circle before any ritual work, you walk around your circle three times. I think of it something, I think of it differently. Um based on the time when this was written because um, because of Gardner's version of casting a circle and uh, his book of shadows is actually available online at sacred text I think it's sacred text dot org um, but from his own book of shadows he states this the circle is usually nine feet in diameter unless made for some very special purpose. There are two outer circles, each six inches apart, so the third circle has a diameter of 11 feet. So, in this sense, you have three circles, effectively casting it thrice about. The next line here says, To bind the spell every time, let the spell be spake in rhyme. Now, I don't know this for sure, but I have two theories as to why spells should rhyme. The first one is that it helps you remember them easier. I mean, think about nursery rhymes from when you were a kid. You remember a lot of them, and most of them rhyme. Uh, the second theory I have is that it actually helps the person that is chanting the spell get into a sort of trance state of mind because of the rhythm that rhyming words can create. The next line says, soft of eye and light of touch, speak little, listen much. Now again, I don't know the true meaning behind this line, but I have a thought. 
Um, a lot of people automatically jump into things and then proceed to act like they know everything there is to know about it. This line reminds us that we don't always know everything and we can benefit from listening to our elders and our teachers without interruption. And then continue to think on what was said while developing our own interpretations and understanding of it. Um, there's an old there's an old saying that says, you have two ears and one mouth. Do the math. So you should you should attempt to listen more than you speak. And not just listen, but actively listen. Listen to understand, not just listen to hear. And the next line says, Das all go by the waxing moon, sing and dance the Wiccan rune. Now the word docile comes from the from the Gaelic language that it literally translates to a direction. It means right. Um, and it's attributed to going clockwise. So when you move clockwise in a circle, you are building your energy. And this corresponds with the waxing moon as it gets more full in the night sky. I don't tend to take it literally. Instead, I see it as a time to work towards the things that you want to achieve. Your energy builds with the waxing moon. And the waxing moon is the perfect time for using that building energy to help you get the things that you want or need. Wittershins go when the moon doth wane, and the werewolf howls by the dread wolfsbane. And I don't know about the werewolf part in this, but the word Wittershins is Scottish for in a direction contrary to the sun's course, alternatively counterclockwise. When you move counterclockwise in a circle, you are removing energy. And this corresponds with the waning moon as it gets less full in the night sky. Now, like the last line, I don't take it quite as literally as it means. Um, Your energy during the waning moon should be used for... Your energy during the waning moon should be used for things... It should be used to, like, dispel things from your life. Clear negativity. If you want to break a habit, um, you want to sever ties with someone who serves your life in a negative way. The next line says, When the lady's moon is new, kiss thy hand to her times two. I can't find any historical sources for this, but apparently it was good luck, um... To send two kisses to the new moon in preparation for its movement into the waxing period. And then when the moon rides at her peak, then your heart's desire seek. This line refers to the full moon, which is the perfect time to do just about anything. Um, It's good for uh, bringing things into your life because the energy of the moon is the highest when it's full. Now, the next four lines here, I'm going to group them all together. Um, They're the lines about the directional winds. So they are, Heed the north wind's mighty gale, lock the door and drop the sail. When the wind comes from the south, love will kiss thee on the mouth. When the wind blows from the east, expect the new and set the feast. When the west wind blows over thee, departed spirits restless be. 
Now these four lines pertain to the seasons that are associated with the winds. The north wind is winter, the south wind is spring, the east wind is summer, and the west wind is fall or autumn. Now during winter, we lock the door and drop the sail, essentially, um, getting ready to settle in for the colder season. Spring is the time of love, when new love blossoms, and so do the flora and fauna. Now, summer is associated with newness because of the new activities and things that we get to do because of the better weather to go out and do whatever it is that we want in out in nature. Now, autumn is associated with the hibernation of the earth and its inhabitants. And it's also the time when Samhain is celebrated, which honors the deceased. Then we have the next line, nine woods in the cauldron go. Burn them quick and burn them slow. This is essentially is a reference to the wood that gets burned, um, burned at Beltane. The nine woods are used. Now there's another expanded version of this this poem essentially that goes through each specific wood, but I'm not sure who wrote the expanded version, and um, I wanted to talk about the history of this piece as well. So I don't have that here, but I will link to it in the show notes. Then, Elder be ye ladies tree, burn it not or cursed you'll be. So the elder tree is considered the tree of the goddess and, of course, shouldn't be burned. When the wheel begins to turn, let the Beltane fires burn. Beltane is a major Sabbath in Wicca that celebrates the coming of summer, and it's during this Sabbath that the nine woods are burned. And since it celebrates the coming of summer, it's it's got another name. I think it's May Day because it's typically celebrated on the first of May. And uh, one of the one of the most common ways that people celebrate Beltane is by having a really really big bonfire. <laughs> Uh, and then you have one on the opposite spectrum. When the wheel has turned to Yule, light the log and let Pan rule. So Yule is another major Sabbath in Wicca, and it celebrates the birth of the newborn sun god, who will allow the spring to come back with the light from the sun. The next line says, Heed ye flower, bush and tree, by the lady, blessed be. Now this line, I like this line. Um, for a couple reasons, but mainly because it it serves as a reminder to us as Wiccans that, you know, yeah, we're Wiccan, yeah, we have our belief system in the god and the goddess, um, but we also have a job to do, and that job is taking care of the earth. So this line reminds us that we should we should strive to live as green as possible and do all that we can to be eco-friendly. Next we have, where the rippling waters go, cast a stone and truth you'll know. And this line, to me, is just a nod to water divination, um, which was and I think still is uh, a popular way of divining the truth. Uh, it reminds me of scrying with a bowl or cauldron of water. The next line says, when ye have need, 
hearken not to others' greed. So there's a few different interpretations of this. Um, some people take it to mean that you should only perform magic when you need to. I actually don't interpret it that way. Um, I take it as a reminder that not everyone has good intentions and when we need help, we need to be we need to be mindful of who we are asking for help from. We need to make sure to the best of our abilities that the person who is helping us has good intentions and does not expect too much from us for, um, too much from us in return because greed is it's a poison to the human spirit. And I think the next line plays into that a little bit too. Uh, it says, with the fool, no season spend or be counted as his friend. This line is pretty self-explanatory as well. Um, basically, your social circle should be filled with people who lift you up and challenge you spiritually, not people who have shallow intentions and are perfectly content with being ignorant. Then we have marry me and marry part, bright the cheeks and warm the heart. I take this one to mean to basically to try to have a positive outlook on life, love, and happiness, and just be kind to your friends, family, and even strangers. I mean, not everybody is going to be super happy and cheerful 100% of the time, and that's okay, but be nice. <laughs> Spread love and kindness and, and peace. Don't, don't spread the negativity and the hatred. Then you've got, um, mind the threefold law ye should, three times bad and three times good. Well, this is a reference to the threefold law, and it basically says that anything that you put into the universe, good or bad, uh, will come back to you threefold. And I think the threefold law is actually a subject for an entirely like an entirely different episode because there's a lot of controversy surrounding it. I mean, I think at one point, I think it was Doreen Valiente who, um, who brought it into Wicca and then later said that she regretted bringing it into the faith um, because it doesn't, it doesn't always make sense and it can't apply in every situation. But for now, just contemplate it on your own <laughs> um, and, and research it if you want. But I will probably talk about the threefold law at another in another episode. So we got three more lines left. The next line says, when misfortune is a now, wear the blue star on thy brow. This line used to confuse me. And I think sometimes it still confuses me because I don't know where that where this comes from. Where having a blue star on your brow is helpful. And I don't even know if it's meant to be taken literally. Um, I mean, in the research that I did, it could be referencing the blue war paint that was used by um, ancient Britons when they went when they went to war. Um, it could also be a reference to the third eye chakra, which sometimes manifests with a bluish color. 
and the the third eye is primarily associated with spiritual intuition so when things are going bad use your intuition and spiritual guidance to make your next move the next line says true in love ever be unless thy love is false to thee so this can be taken as literal relationship advice or a nod to the idea of perfect love and perfect trust so always be true in your feelings and don't hide them from other people from your friends from your family from your significant from your significant other your children whatever um but if the other person turns out to be false or to have wronged you in some way then you have every right to sever ties with that person regardless of who that person is you need to do do what's good for you and what allows you to stay true to yourself now the last line is the wiccan read and it harm none do what you will the whole thing says eight words ye wiccan read fulfill and it harm none do what you will now despite this being a really beautiful piece of poetry um there's actually a lot of controversy around the origin of the writing um according to lady gwen thompson uh, who is the woman who wrote it um it was adapted from something that was written by her grandmother adriana porter however um there are there are several people that claim that it can't be possible because um, the writing style and the concepts in the poem, if it was written in the time frame that Lady Gwen Thompson says it was written in, it predates Wicca. So either the ideas have been around longer than longer than Gerald Gardner says they have, or longer than, oh God, what am I trying to say? Um, yeah. So, either more people were practicing what Gardner brought to the public than was originally thought, or the story of this piece of writing being older, older than Lady Gwen Thompson is false. We don't know, um, but it's thought that maybe Lady Gwen Thompson wrote it and claimed that it came from her grandmother to give her a claim to Wicca through lineage because um, lineage back then was extremely important in um, getting into Wicca in one form or another. And uh, actually, Alexander Sanders, from, who created the um, Alexandrian tradition of Wicca, he branched off from Gardner in the States, as far as I'm aware, he was actually caught up in a hoax with his lineage claim, and uh, it's been proven to be false. I'm not entirely sure when that happened or if it even happened. I think I remember reading something about it, but I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know 100% that that is true. But the controversy around having a lineage to be initiated into Wicca back in the the 50s and the 60s makes this really hard to research just because so many people claimed lineage so that they could be initiated into a tradition 
when it wasn't actually true and it's a pain in the ass because I'm a very, a very source-based person and I like to know the history and do my research and find the truth. But when everybody is lying and making shit up, that makes it really, really hard. <laughs> and yeah, I just... I don't know, man. I don't know. It's sometimes I wish I could just speak to these people and find out the truth. But even if I did, who would believe me? Um, yeah. So, I mean, d despite the fact that the historical origins of these writings and of these ideas is debatable, um, I don't think it takes away from the spirituality that these, these works of writing can bring into our lives as Wiccans. I still think they're applicable, even if we can't prove who said it, when they said it, why they said it. I don't think it matters. I mean, it does in some part because of the scientific part of my brain, but as far as, as far as the spirituality side of me goes, that part doesn't care because it resonates with me. So what, what does it all mean anyway? And it harm none, do what you will. What does that even mean? Let's talk about that for a second. Um, first, we need to understand what it means to actually harm. What does harm mean? Now, the dictionary defines harm in a few ways. Um, the first one, it is to bring about physical injury. The second one is material damage. And the third one is actual or potential ill or adverse effect. Now, harm doesn't need to have any action to it either, in my opinion, because sometimes doing nothing can be harmful. And there's also the question of how ethical it is within Wicca to let someone do harm to you, but for you to do no harm in return, even in the act of self-defense. It, it's an ethical conundrum, <laughs> depending on your tradition or your path. Um, and I don't speak for everybody. I can't. So I'm going to give you my interpretation. And it's this will widely differ from Wiccan to Wiccan, tradition to tradition, and path to path. Not everyone is going to subscribe to my interpretation of the reed, and that's okay. Because reed is a term that means like advice or guideline, not law. And I understand that not everyone can or will live entirely by the reed, and that's okay too. Now, I take the Wiccan read literally and not. Um, so every action that you take has a consequence and those consequences can be good, they can be bad, they can be neutral, you know, whatever. Um, before I act and sometimes before I speak, I'm working on that. <laughs> um, I try to think about what will come of my actions and words. If, um, if, it, if it has the potential to cause harm, I try not to do it. Um, if it won't, then I see no problem in doing it. 
um, I, I think about this in terms of inaction as well, you know, doing nothing. Because there, there are moments in life where you're going to witness something or you're going to hear something and you can choose to act on it or you can choose to ignore it. Um, if taking no action can bring harm to someone or something else, that's breaking the reed. Because even though you're not doing anything, you're choosing to do nothing. And therefore, that choice of doing nothing is harmful to someone or something else. Now, there's also the question of harming animals. Um, like if you, if you aren't a vegetarian or a vegan. I myself am neither of those things for different reasons. Um... I am of the belief that my ancestors, they ate meat and used animal products for their livelihood, and I am no different. Uh, at this point, I don't have the time, the energy, or the financial means to cut out all animal products from my life and my family's life. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't understand how fucked up the meat and animal product industry is, but I do try to be as mindful as possible of what I consume. Now. Regardless of my interpretation of the breed, I believe that as long as you are living your best life and non-intentionally doing damage to other people, animals, or earth, then you're fine. Um, unlike the Christian ideology of sin, breaking the reed will not cause you to spend your afterlife in eternal damnation. Um, we as Wiccans understand, you know, we get it. We're only human, we're only capable of so much. And as, as long as we learn from our actions and our inactions, we're, we're on a good path. Alternatively, <laughs> uh, rather than saying, and it harm none, do what you will, uh, many people have come to, to use the read in a collo colloquial way. Colloquial colloquial way. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Huh. I can see it written right here. And I could pronounce it in my head. But for some reason I can't say it out loud. Colloqui colloquial colloquial way. Whatever. Um <laughs> and this this term that I see now um in a lot of the witchy and wiccan communities is one of my favorites. Just because it speaks to modern life and the evolution of Wicca as a faith. And I will leave you with this. Do no harm, but take no shit. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Round the Cauldron. The music you hear in the intro and outro is called Night Owl by Broke for Free. And it is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Um, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I also got a new mic. Uh, I got it for Christmas from one of mine and my partner's friends. Thank you so much if you're listening. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if the audio quality is any different at this point because this is the first time I'm using it. When I tried it at first and I was listening back through the microphone, I could hear my clock ticking in the background. So we'll see. <laughs> um, so I welcome any 
questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns, you know, as long as you're not an asshole about it, I'm okay. Uh, If you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a review on Google Play, on iTunes, or wherever you listen to it. Um, Please also consider supporting this podcast through Patreon, um, where you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month and gain access to patron-exclusive content. You can also message me on Facebook, DM me on Instagram, at me on Twitter, or email me at roundthecauldron at gmail.com. Until next time, everyone. Bye.